The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, get up. Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way, your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Today happens to be one of those days where the second reading in the gospel are, are super important to me, uh, you know, personally. And every once in a while, I think we have readings like that in our life for some reason that speak very directly to us in, in various ways. Um, as, we, as we approach November, we get closer to talking about vocations. And I, I don't know this to be a fact yet, but we might even get to hear some of Deacon Chuck's vocation story. I can't remember. Some emails have been going around between Father Carey and myself. So, but, but, you know, we share our vocation story so that everybody could understand that we need to cultivate vocations, you know, out there in the, in the world for, the, for religious life and also for, um, for the clergy. And on my, on my holy card for my ordination, it was a, a simple image, a simple image of... Jesus pulling Peter out of the water after he starts sinking. And it just says from Matthew right there, Lord, save me. <laughs> you know, just those words, Lord, save me. And, you know, Jesus is just hoisting him up out of the water. But the other phrase there is, on the back of the card, is you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, which we hear in that second letter to the Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews talks all about priesthood and being a priest. And, and, you know, we even hear that it's just like, you know, beset by weakness because priests are weak and mortal in, in and of themselves. They have to offer, you know, sin offerings, you know, for themselves and for the people that they serve. You know, it's all very priestly language about what a priest does. And so one of the unique things in my life, you know, sort of a foreshadowing in a way, was that my my given name is Peter Thomas Julia. My, my dad's first name is Thomas, so I have his first name as my middle name. And I found out many, many years ago when I was a little kid that my, my grandfather, who I'm named after, his given name is Peter Melchizedek Julia. And uh, I saw this because he was in World War II, and on the back of a, a leather sheath was a knife he had in World War II, and it actually had his name on the back in the leather that he, that he kind of burned into the back of the leather. And, you know, my dad explained to me what Melchizedek, who Melchizedek was in the Old Testament, this foreshadowing of Christ, of the sacrifice of bread and wine of a high priest, 
of priesthood. And uh, as I approached, you know, my confirmation age, as I told you many times before, when I was receiving my confirmation, I had no thoughts of being a priest at all in my life at that point. And, but, but I was open to receiving my confirmation. I believed that my parents had the very best thing at heart for me, and I was there because they thought that I should be there, mostly, like a lot of kids these days. And so during my confirmation, you know, we have to pick our confirmation saint. And so much to honor my grandfather, who I never knew because he died when he was only 46 years old, when my dad was about 20, he, uh, I, I chose Melchizedek as my confirmation name. And then on the day of my confirmation, as everybody's walking up to the bishop, this is, um, I can't think of his first name, but Bishop Delaney, this is in Texas, in Fort Worth. And so as he comes up and he's saying, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, you remember, you're usually holding a card of your saint's name because they don't use your given name. And he said, Melchizedek? Question mark, you know, is this like, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit? And I know in that moment, he was thinking, this guy's probably going to be a priest. Who in the world picks the name Melchizedek? Like, no young man would ever pick that name, right? And um, I had no idea at that time, like I said, that I was called to the priesthood. But sometimes it's so important for us to pay attention to the dots of our life. As disjointed and out of order that they may be, we pay attention to them because we see God's providential hand in our life, how he's guiding us and how he's leading us, despite sometimes our best efforts to go wayward as much as we would like to. Um, and so <laughs> once I became a priest, you know, throughout your time there, throughout homiletics and, and watching, you know, hundreds of priests give hundreds and thousands of homilies over your life, you kind of have to decide which way you're going to preach, you know, how you're going to preach. And, and very much I, I, I model my own preaching after St. Paul himself. Because what I saw in St. Paul is that he uses his experience a lot. Um, he uses his weakness a lot to describe how he got to be there. And that it's in spite of his stupid self <laughs> that he's there because he's filled up with Jesus Christ. And he gives you his journey. He talks about his past life before Christ, before his conversion, and he talks about his struggles now. And, and much of St. Paul's preaching is about perseverance, is about trial and difficulty and overcoming that difficulty and moving forward in our Christian life driven by Jesus Christ. And so one of the things I wanted to read to you today are a couple of these amazing examples from St. Paul. And then we'll get to the gospel reading again, which is a reading of perseverance by somebody who is pursuing the Lord and having a relationship with him, this blind man, Bartimaeus. And uh, for those of you who listen to Bishop Barron's Sunday sermons, one of the things that he talks about is we remember in this reading that it starts out, they're walking away from Jericho, and we remember from the Old Testament, Jericho was a sinful city that falls to the ground, right? So it's a sinful city, and then it's the chronicle of a blind person coming out of a city of ruins. That's the context. And, and Bishop Barron talks about how this gospel is almost like each one of our journeys to Christ, all in just one little gospel. It's, it's an amazing thing. But this is some of the things that St. Paul wrote about in his own life as he preached the gospel of Christ. Five times I have received at the hands of the Jews 
the forty lashes, less one. Three times I have been beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I have been shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brethren, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure upon me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. That encompasses almost every geographical situation you could imagine, right? He was in toil in the city, in the wilderness, at sea, from the people he knew, from the people he did not know. Every situation was challenging at some point for St. Paul, but yet he perseveres. I, I sometimes don't think we're as in touch with this as we need to be, the, the realizing that the difficulties and the persecutions that we have in this life are something that push us forward because we realize that in our own weakness, we cannot do it on our own, but it is Christ in us that pushes us forward. Not too much further we go along, again, to even more intimate struggles of St. Paul's life. And he says, I must boast. There is nothing to be gained by it, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. He's speaking of himself in the third person, a communication that Christ is having with him. And it's hard for him to tell where he was in this communication with Christ, whether he's inside the body or out of the body. It's truly a locution, an experience where Christ is speaking to him in a very profound way. And I know this, and I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my, be- on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I wish to boast, I shall not be a fool, for I shall be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me, and to keep me from being too elated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I besought the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. These are unbelievable words of St. Paul that realizes that even in his great difficulties, even in his inadequacy, our Lord Jesus Christ makes him the greatest evangelist that we have ever known. 
even though he begs the Lord to take something away that he hates about himself, that is a struggle, a thorn in his flesh, some sort of inadequacy, the Lord is still able to overcome that inadequacy and make him one of the greatest apostles. Every single one of us has a thorn or, or multiple, <laughs> you know, of some way, shape, or form that we struggle with. But the Lord, and his, it is not us that overcomes it through our own volition, our own will. It is Christ in us that can overcome that very thing. Now, one of the things I want to share with you today kind of relates in between these two things. So we know, so St. Paul has a revelation of Christ, something that's revealed to him. And for us, we would say that this is a part of the, what we would call the deposit of faith. I love that term. That's like the treasure of our scripture and tradition that we have. It's inexhaustible, the deposit of faith. But there are certain things. Now, this is a personal revelation for St. Paul, but it happens to be in the scripture, right? <laughs> so it's a part of the deposit of faith. But many of you, I know it for sure, because many of you have shared it with me, have had ways in which the Lord has spoken to you. We would call this a private revelation or a locution, where you hear some sort of voice, not necessarily like a voice out loud, but something in the silence of your heart, something that goes right into the intellect of your mind, something that the Lord is giving you as some sort of message for you. And this is something I just wanted to read real briefly from the Catechism about these private revelations. It said, throughout the ages, there have been so-called private revelations, some of which have been recognized by the authority of the church. We think of Marian apparitions, right? They do not belong, however, to the deposit of faith. It is not their role to improve or to complete Christ's definitive revelation, but to help live more fully by it in a certain period of history. Think of Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared at a certain time in history so that the people of Mexico, the Aztecs of that time, something could happen in their life. So is it necessary for conversion? No, not necessarily. You don't need it. But did it bolster those people and transform their life and become a huge source and devotion of drive for them? Yes, absolutely. So it says, guided by the magisterium of the church, the teaching body of the church, the census fidelium knows how to discern and welcome in these revelations whatever constitutes an authentic call of Christ or his saints to the church. Christian faith cannot accept revelations that claim to surpass or correct the revelation of which Christ is the fulfillment, as is the case in certain non-Christian religions and also in certain recent sects which base themselves on such revelations. One of the things you might think of might be, the, might be something like the Mormon church, where a message from an angel, after all of the, the, these public revelations are a closed book, there's no more revelation there, but an angel appears to Joseph Smith and is telling him a lot of things. But remember, from the scripture, one of the warnings is, even if an angel of light appears to you saying something that is contrary that's found in the gospel, do not believe them, because it's really an angel of darkness, essentially, in that point. So it's important for us to know the difference. But these private revelations, these messages that God gives to his faithful, can absolutely transform our lives. Um, so I wanted to share with you today just something unique. I don't know that I've ever done this in public, so every once in a while, you know, Father Peter's a pretty vulnerable person, but even this sometimes terrifies me at times. But um, 
this was at a, one of our silent retreats during the seminary some years ago now. But uh, my, my spiritual director of five years, six years, Father Brendan Hurley, was leading this retreat. And it's a silent retreat. No electronic devices, usually four devoted holy hours a day um, on top of rosary mass and other different things like that. And he would give you a scripture reading for each holy hour. This has only happened to me a couple of times in my life. But what was given to me? This gospel, the gospel of Bartimaeus, the blind man. And at this point, for those of you who've been on retreats before, I'm about halfway through and I'm like, I'm getting nothing, Jesus, nothing. You know, it just feels like nothing is happening. It's just a whole lot of silence and, and you know, pain. It's what it feels like at the time. And then this happens, what we would call imaginative prayer, a very Ignatian way of prayer. I put myself into this gospel narrative. In the way that I did that, you could take on any character you want, but what I decided was I was going to be one of the anonymous disciples of Christ. Remember, we hear in there, there was a sizable crowd there. So I was one of those people following Jesus, but not one of the, not one of the 12, not Bartimaeus himself, just one of the anonymous. And then this is what happened to me during that hour of prayer. I said, Jesus, aren't you afraid to minister to someone in front of all of these people? What is more important, that I heal Bartimaeus or that I worry what the crowd thinks? Besides, no man ordained by me should be afraid to exercise the authority I give to him. When I created you, I created all you were capable of. Have confidence, my beloved son, and carry out the plan that is laid before you. Each work I have prepared for you is a step further into my will. You may have moments of blindness, like Bartimaeus, but in these moments, do not be afraid to cry out to me like he did so today. Whether you are alone or in the midst of a great crowd, do you trust me, Peter? Yes, Lord, I trust you. Do you need me, Peter? Yes, Lord, I need you. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then live the life I have created for you. It is the happiest version of your earthly life possible, crosses and all, because it started with me and ends with me. I once heard you say, I am destined for great things. This is true because you are destined for me. Walk with me now, walk with me always until the end of time. I will be waiting for you, my beloved son. In the meanwhile, there is much work to be done, work that, has been, work that has been prepared by my hands and entrusted to you. Father Hurley, my spiritual director, has taught you to know the difference between what has come from me and what comes from the evil. Use your gifts, use your talents, use what you have learned, and do all with the help of our Blessed Mother, and you will succeed right into my arms. Oh, gosh, I'm a mess right now. I'm so sorry. Just a blubber, I tell you what. I told you this before. My grandfather used to say, tender grapes. Oh, gosh, Madeline, God bless you. Um, <laughs> this gospel, sometimes it can speak to us directly. Like I said, this doesn't happen every day. I, I'm no mystic. But in that one moment, because I entered into the gospel as much as I could possibly enter into it, 
I had this crazy dialogue with Jesus. And I still go back to this and look at this moment because it sort of refocuses me on what the Lord's given me to do. Each one of us has been given something. But we're all here. We're all here with all of our weaknesses, all of our thorns before the Lord. But it is Christ in us that overcomes. If we can find ways to call out to him, to draw closer to him like Bartimaeus, remember, he's one of the few that's healed, that is named in there. And if some of you who are following the Chosen series know, when you see Jesus in that series, call somebody by name. It is like their heart is just absolutely pierced by Jesus when he recognizes who they are. If we open ourselves up to Christ and we make ourselves vulnerable, like Bartimaeus, who throws off his cloak, if we make ourselves vulnerable to Christ and we persevere in a relationship with him, he will be with us. I guarantee you that. If you persevere in having a relationship with him, it will be there. It will absolutely be there. But we have to pursue it. We have to pursue it actively. God bless you all.